Welcome to Shofar Cape Town South Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thank you that we all benefit, God, from what they bring. You know, bless each person here and each member of this congregation and this service and the ones who are even not here tonight. Thank you for what you are doing here, Lord. We want to um, open our eyes and see what you are doing. And we thank you that we can be a part of it. Thank you that you invite us to be a part of it. We honor you, Jesus, and we honor your name. Amen. Mine said, my name is Liana, and I just love preaching at the afternoon service. Um, I really want to commend Matthew and Jamie and all the leaders. Um, it's really incredible what they trust the Lord to do here. Um, it's really, we sometimes forget how privileged we are. I was in America in the last year. Do any of you guys know Dylan? He was an intern in our church. He's from America. A few of you know him. So he got married and he invited Raina to marry him. And I went with. And um, we, we flew to New York. We drove up to Pennsylvania. We saw Kornai Small. I don't know if any of you know him. He was in our church long ago. Then we drove up to Ohio where Dylan is. We did the wedding and then we drove back. back. And in between, we, we met up with some churches. We met up with some people. We met a lot of Christians from different churches. And it was so incredible for me. Every time we met up with people, we just offered to pray for them or the Lord would bring up something. And it was so incredible for me. Um, almost every time we met with people, they didn't really know that you could be filled with the Spirit. They'd never seen a word of knowledge. Um, they've never heard of prayer for healing. And um, it was so funny that the one pastor said to me, oh, I love that about Africans, that you flow in the gifts. <laughs> We do, but actually Americans do too. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff that I know, I learned from Americans. Um, but we are so privileged that we are exposed to what we are exposed to. We are privileged to have leaders like Matthew and Jamie. We are privileged to be part of something amazing that God is doing. It's not a given. Given. <laughs> <laughs> But um, given's a great card. But um, it's a given that he is blessed. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> but we are just really privileged. And, um, you know, 10 years ago, we had church in this room. So it's quite um, special for me to be here tonight. And about 10 years ago, we, we, the church was just started. And... God spoke to us to do a 10-day fast, um, so 10 days, only water. And we said, five of us who were leaders, we said, we'll do it. And we said, whoever in church wants to do it, it's optional, you can join. So I don't know who, how many of you would have joined. <laughs> in the end, we had 30 people, and we did a 10-day fast, only water. And of the 30 people who did it, no one has done it before. We were all doing it for the first time. And when we, in the evenings, we got together to worship, and we did it in this room. And I remember we were dancing here everywhere. We were completely crazy worshiping. And it's so special how many things God has done. And, you know, everything over the years, he sows the seeds, and he does things. And, and part of that seed is some of you sitting here today. Um, and, you know, I was a student in Stellenbosch, and... In the years that I was there, I guess I'm 37 now, so that's like 19 years ago. It feels so long. Um, Raina said the other day, so our kids are seven, six, and zero, like six months. So Raina said the other day, our daughter is closer to 18 than we are. That's scary. <laughs> um, but um, being in Stellenbosch, the years before I was there, or the years that they were really planting and really trusting the Lord. Then the years that I was a student there, I got saved, and there was a revival on campus. It was amazing. The church was massive, and we all on campus, we were continuously talking about God. Um, we were praying for people in every class on campus. We had um, prayer groups. We were continuously pulling people into the prayer groups. They were getting saved. There were massive, like five or six Show for small groups in each race. 
Um, and in Stellenbosch, a lot of people in the races, that's basically everyone. Um, we had praise and worships all the time. It was crazy. People were getting spirit filled all the time, just in between class and outside, and everyone knew. And they, at that time, it, it's not so great that they did that. That's not what we hoped for, but they used to call you like a chauffeur Christian. That means you're the one, like, we went to the pubs twice a week in the evenings. We went to the pubs to tell people about Jesus. So many people got saved. Um, it would often happen that you'd speak to someone about Jesus, and they'd be drunk. And then while you're speaking to them, they'll sober up. So often God did that miraculously, and then, so that they can get saved. Um, and God is busy here at GCT. And when we planted the church, I was, we were very full-on involved with everything at UCT, and I remember I was so surprised that, you know, some of the students then would tell me that they were, they were actually ostracized in class for being a Christian, and I realized, wow, they, it's, there's still a lot to trust the Lord for on this campus, but God is busy, and the seeds are growing, and you guys are all part of it, and you're blessed to be part of it. It's a privilege to be part of something amazing that is busy happening that God is doing. Um, and sometimes we lose that perspective, but hopefully I can give you that perspective tonight. As we were worshiping, I just had the sense um, of someone's ear. Is there someone with a problem in one of their ears? Something sore or something not working properly? Is there anyone like that? One ear. One like that. Okay. Um, guy with the yellow top, I don't know your name. Tyler, behind you. Yes. I just, when we were worshiping, I just um, felt God said that He wants to trust you with many things. Sorry, just tell me your name. Oh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Say again. Ruben. Okay, another Ruben. I felt God said he wants to trust you with many things. Um, the Bible speaks about the mysteries of God, the secret things of God. I felt God said he sees you like a David, a man after God's own heart. And he, he wants, he's busy bringing you into that place. He's bringing you into that place where he's going to show you secret things. Secret things just means it's like when you get to know someone really well, they tell you more about themselves. Um, believe God is bringing you into that place and he sees you like a David and the call of God, one of the calls of God in your life is that you would be a man after God's own heart. That's what he is busy doing in your life. Um, I want to share a word with you tonight and you know the church's, who knows what the church's vision is? Who can tell me? Yes, yes. Fathering a city towards revival. Okay, so this is the vision of the church. This is where we're going. This is what God has called us to do. This is what we are. This is the destination of the journey that we are on. We are fathering a city towards revival. We're asking God how this works, what this looks like. And in the intercession end of last year, beginning of this year, God spoke again specifically and was confirmed through a few, a few people, and Raina's preached about it, and God said that there's a specific thing for this year. Who knows what that is? A specific word for this year. Flourish. And um, flourish comes from Psalm 47, and God says flourish is like it just, if you plant a tree and it's like growing well, and it has lots of fruit and flowers, that's, it's flourishing. That's what flourish means. So, do you know that for each one of you, there is the potential this year to flourish. And I want to share a word tonight about how do we get in the right place to flourish. And um, this morning in the morning service, I had a prophetic word for someone specific, and I shared it. And someone who was in the mom's room um, actually texted me, and she, she said, was that word for someone specific? And I said, um, so I knew the person was wondering if it was maybe for them. So I said, it was for someone specific, but God is not stingy. If you want it, you can take it. Okay, so um, God says flourish for the air. If you want it, you can take it. Okay, his word is for you. It's not for the first three rows or for everyone else. God says flourish. And um, we can't 
make ourselves flourish, but we can position ourselves and trust God for us to flourish. But let's not let the whole year go by and never think about it, and then we accidentally didn't flourish. <laughs> um, so I want to play a clip from a movie. Um, who has anyone here not seen Lion King? Because then I need to give you the story. Okay, two people. So do you know the story of Lion King, KG? KG, do you know the story? You know the story? No? Okay. So for KG and Kathy, so um, Simba is the lion and he has uh, Mufasa and he has a son. Simba, Mufasa is the king. Simba will be the following king. Um, he accidentally kills, uh, allows his father to be killed. He didn't actually do it, but he thinks he did. He runs away. Rafiki is a baboon. He comes to fetch Simba. And he says, Simba says he um, wants to speak to his father, but his father died. And Rafiki says, no, you're I'm going to show you your father. Okay, so that's the context of the clip. So I want to show it to you, and then we'll talk about it. Hold on, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. Maybe just pause. Waiting. I think we'll need to... Matty, can we put the lights off? I can't see. Father is waiting. Do you see him? I don't see anything. Look closer. You see? I'm sorry. 
I don't know how to be like you. As king, I was most proud of one thing. Having you as my son. That was a long time ago. No, Simba. That is forever. Please. Don't leave me again. I never left you. And never will. Remember who you are. Remember. And so, I ask again, who are you? I am Simba, son of Mufasa. running through the field and they get to a, a dam, a pool of water and Rafiki says your father's here and he looks into the water and he, what does he see? Himself. And he says it's not my father and then he kind of stirs the water and he says no look deeper he lives in you. Okay, So this is just a movie. Okay, so It's actually um, we live in Christ but also he is in us and um, he looks and he, and he sees, and then his father speaks to him. And the phrase that, when I watched this movie, when I heard it, I actually just burst out crying. And the phrase that stuck with me is, remember who you are. So Simba struggles to remember who he is until he's face to face with his father. So Actually, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are in relationship with each other. And everything about life and existence happens through relationship. We can't actually know who we are if we don't know God. God made us. God made everything. So we don't really exist apart from God. We exist because he created us. It's only when we look at God that we know who we are. You will forever be looking for who you are if you don't know God. God is the absolute. He is the standard. His word is the truth. That's the only measurement that there is. I love that picture. Yeah. That's actually the actor of, of the voice of Simba. But I love that picture. It's just so well um, placed for me. It's when we look into the eyes of God that we know who we are. So Simba, in the story, he doesn't remember who he is until he sees his father. And his father says, remember who you are. You are my son. So who we are in relationship to God is we are his sons and daughters. That is crucial to who we are. You are my son and you are the king. Okay, God is the king. So being his sons and daughters means that we are royalty. And I want to read a scripture to you from Romans. Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Go on. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Next one. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So the only 
way we know who we are is in relation to God. And who we are in relation to God is we are his children. And it says, who are the children of God? Those who are led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit you receive do not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. The Spirit doesn't make you a slave, but it adopts you to be a son. We know that Romans 8 speaks a lot about sons and slaves. And God calls us to be sons. Sons means daughters as well. Sons and daughters. I can also be a son in this context. <laughs> um, because the spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you live in fear. Rather, it makes you a son. So when we are not sons, we are slaves. And one of the ways I believe God wants us to position ourselves to flourish is to remember who we are. I want to encourage us tonight to encourage you, remember who you are, that you are a son, which means you are not a slave. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. God is the king. A son is an heir. That means you have an inheritance. It also means you inherit the title. Okay, so you know the royal family. Like, you know, someone is first in line for the throne, second in line, etc. We're not in line for God's throne, but we are royalty. God calls us to be royalty on earth. Um, as I said, everything happens in relationship. You know... Um, Sometimes people say, they talk about something, and there's the island theory. You know the island theory? It's like, but what if you were alone on an island? Um, you know, how would that work then? And they, they're kind of like, whatever you answer then, oh, that's how you should do it. Who's heard that theory? So it's like, the thinking is that the way you would do it outside of relationship, surely that should be the right way. So that's obviously nonsense. Um, the way things should be is in relationship. Okay, and then there's the how things used to be in the old times theory. Okay, who's heard that? So this is how they used to eat long ago. That's why this is the best way to eat. Who's heard that? Okay, th this is how they used to raise their kids. This is how they, you know, like what did people do? Like the first people who lived, you know, how did they do this? That's why it's good, that, you know, like I want to go back to that way that they did it. Who said that? Okay. Why is it good to do something the way people did it when the first people lived? I don't get that theory. Okay. You know, it often gets used. Um, I, I'm guessing that none of you have kids here, but it often gets used with women giving birth. It's like, oh, no, this is how women used to give birth long ago, you know, like at home. Um, so this is like the best way to do it. Yes, like one out of three women died giving birth. Um, adv medical advancement is good <laughs> and inspired by the Spirit. Um, and there's all these theories that sometimes wants to take us out of the biblical way of thinking. And sometimes we don't even question why we would believe it. Everyone kind of believes it and we just believe it. It's like, but what is that reasoning? <laughs> why does that even make sense? And it's important to know why we think what we think and how we reason because it determines whether we are a slave to something. What is a slave? A slave is someone who is enslaved to a master, and often to rules. So one way to be a slave is to live with a law. It's like, I have to do this, I have to do that. This is the right way to do that, that's the right way. Romans 8 says, if we're children of God, we can be led by the Spirit. Okay, so the Bible is the Word of God. It, the Bible is the Spirit-inspired Word of God. Okay, so living by the Bible is living by the Spirit. And there are specific things that are guidelines in the Bible that God would never um, do something that disagrees with that. Okay, God's not going to ask you to kill someone, kind of what I'm saying. Um, so don't hear that, what I'm saying. But we like to sometimes make up a whole lot of rules about what's right, and then we just live by the rules instead of by the Spirit. You know, the Pharisees and the, the, um, the learned 
people in the Old Testament made up a lot of rules. And actually, at one point, God gave them a whole lot of rules that they had to live by. And sometimes we want to go back to that place. But, you know, Jesus died. It's not the same dispensation anymore. We're living in a different dispensation. And we have to be led by the Spirit. So why would you choose to follow a rule rather than be led by the Spirit? Have you found that happens? Okay, why? Why would that happen? Why would you rather follow a rule than ask God what the right thing is to do? Because it's easier. And sometimes we're lazy. Sometimes we don't know how to hear the voice of God. And if you don't know how to hear the voice of God, you need to ask your small group leader to help you. Okay? If you know how to hear the voice of God, then sometimes it's just because you don't want to make the effort to engage with God and to ask Him what is His Spirit leading us to do. If we go on to the next scripture. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The whole of creation is waiting in eager expectation, also it says anticipation, of the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. So, you guys are the sons and daughters of God, we are the sons and daughters of God. Everything, nature, people, everything is waiting for us to be revealed. Okay, what does it mean to be revealed? to be shown for who you are, to be fully made known. So everything in creation is waiting for each one of us to become fully who we were meant to be and to be revealed unto them, not just to become fully who you were meant to be in your mind, which is actually not really possible, but if you maybe you thought that, to become fully revealed to the world as to who we meant to be. And we are meant to be the sons and the daughters of God. We are the light of the world. You know, um, what I found when I started working many years ago, I used to be a business analyst. I studied industrial engineering. And when I started working, um, no one in my teens or that I really knew in my company were Christians. And it was quite a big company. And I, it used to be mostly like a lot of older men. It was a difficult environment for me. I, I sometimes a bit looked down upon. Um, actually, when I started working, like the kind of environment, people, some of the people at work called me Poppy. Like, it was quite bad. It's like Dolly. <laughs> and um, you know what would happen on a Monday? Everyone would say, like, um, you know, how was your weekend? Right? I'm sure you guys do it in class. Does everyone go, what did you do this weekend? Okay. And then you know that you think about what you're going to say. So you maybe you played some sport on Saturday, or maybe you, you had a party, and then you had church on Sunday. Which one do you tell? And which one do you tell first? And do you actually leave one out like church? <laughs> do you look who's in the crowd, and then you decide what you're going to tell? Like, what's relevant to this crowd? Like, if it's these three friends, I better tell them about the sport. If it's those three, three friends, I could speak about the party. If it's that friend, I can speak about church. So I found myself that I'm telling everything about my weekend, but I'm not talking about church because the other people didn't go to church. They're not talking about church. And one week I was questioning myself as to why I'm doing that. And you know what, what's happening is in their world, church does not exist. Okay, God does not exist. So I'm in, in my world, God exists. Actually, in the world, God exists. You know what I mean? Like, God exists everywhere. You know, my kids asked me the other day, so I watched a movie with them, the one is seven, one is six. And my son said to me, we watched Kung Fu Panda. And um, even Aiden asked me, what's inner peace? Because Panda keeps saying he's looking for inner peace. And I <laughs> explained to Evan, well, he doesn't really know what inner peace is because he doesn't know Jesus, but this is what inner peace really is, but this is what he means, and this is how people see it. And then he said to me, but mommy, I think he knows Jesus because he finds inner peace. And I said to him, well, the problem is 
the people who made the movie, I don't think they know Jesus because Jesus is not in the movie. And that's just not realistic. Like, actually, God and Jesus is everywhere. Do you know if you watch a movie that's not at all about God? It's actually not realistic. Do you know that? It's not a true reflection of reality. It's that person's version of reality, but their version of reality is incorrect. So it's not like there's your version and there's mine. No, 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 there's one version. There is the version where God exists, and he's actively busy every day. But there's some people who see that, and there's some people who don't see that. So there's not differing opinions. There's one truth. And some people see the truth, and some people don't. So if you watch the movie, and God's not in it at all, don't think that's reality. Remember that the person who made that movie doesn't know God. So what they are projecting is a part of reality. They don't even see the full reality because it's not in the movie because they don't see it. So what I'm doing on a Monday, if I speak to my colleagues, I'm doing the same thing as the guy who made the movie who doesn't know Jesus. I'm giving my colleagues a version of reality which is not really the full reality. So what am I doing? I'm taking away their only opportunity to see the full reality. I am living in the truth because I know God. And because God is part of my everyday and everything. But by hiding that from them, I am kind of saying that the way they see it is the way it is for me as well. And I realized that's nonsense. And you know how I felt? I felt if I told them about church and if I really told them what we do in church, they would think I'm weird. Okay, so is it true? Would they think I'm weird? Probably. Is that the truth? No, okay, because what we do at church is real. This is the real reality. The fact that they don't have it in their lives means they're not living in the full truth. So why do I buy into it that their reality is real? Why am I conforming to them? I'm not really being a light. You know, so when I was in school, I sometimes tried to be an evangelist. And how I did it is, like, whenever I saw someone sin, I would tell them that it's wrong and tell them, like, Jesus doesn't like it, okay? Zero effective. No one got saved ever, <laughs> okay? I don't know, but that is sometimes something, I don't know if any of you grew up with that. I grew up with that. But the only way to really help people get God is help them see what they're doing wrong. Okay, don't be surprised if unsaved people act unsaved, okay? It's actually completely normal, that unsaved people act unsaved. Don't try to, to explain living with God. I mean, don't, try, don't expect a um, righteous life from an unsaved person or try and help them get there without Jesus. Don't try and help them with their sin. Help them meet Jesus. Um, so I changed it, and I started on Monday mornings. Like the, obviously, the first few weeks was a bit like I was nervous, but I prepared myself and I prayed and I told my accountability partners that they must ask me whether I did it. And I said, I will just tell it as it is. So on Monday, if everyone's talking and they're saying what they did the weekend, the first thing I'll say is I went to church and we, this, we worshipped and it was amazing and I really felt God's presence. You know, and people are a bit like... And, and I'll say, someone had a prophetic word and, you know, it really meant something to the person. And, um, you know, and some people, I think they think in their head you're making it up. And other people are like, wow, it's like, maybe they think you're lying. Or maybe they just think you, there's something a little bit wrong with you. But I decided not to tell it like it's not true. I decided to tell it like it's true because it's true. So I just tell it like I would tell it to Gervis. I mean, I would have no problem telling Gervis what happened in church. So why don't I tell it to them the way I would tell it to Gervis? Not nervous, not freaky, normal. I know it's weird for them. But eventually they got used to me, and all of them have now seen the life of someone who really knows God. And it's about more than telling more about just church. It's about telling other things as well. It's just an easy example for me because this is a Monday morning thing that's quite universal. Um, I stopped taking away the opportunity for them to see God in someone's life. And I was becoming a son and a daughter that's fully revealed. Okay, we're all going to be on this journey of becoming that. But God is inviting us and especially putting a focus on it this year to become the sons and the daughters of God that are revealed. 
to become revealed to the world. Maybe tonight, if you're not a son or daughter of God, I'm going to invite you at the end. We want to pray for you to meet God. But if you are a son or daughter tonight, you will know how much you are revealed. How much do you even know who you are? You know, remember who you are. Some of us can't remember because we never knew. How much do you even know who you are? Do you know that you are the son or daughter of God? Do you know that you are royalty? Do you know God? Because if you know God, then you know who you are. That's how you grow in it. How much do you know who you are? And how much of who you are is revealed to the world? How much can they see? How much confidence do you have in God and in who he has made you to be? How much have you worked through things that prohibit you from showing that to the world? God wants the sons and daughters to be fully revealed. Look at that scripture in Galatians. It's not that one. Is it not up there? Yes. Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so God makes all of us free. And our freedom is something precious. So we said, if we're not a son, we're a slave. Okay, so we become free, we become sons. And then God says, don't lose your freedom and become a slave again. And that's what I believe God is encouraging us. Are we sons of God? Do we know God? Have you remembered who you are? Are you becoming fully revealed to the world? Are you royalty? Do you know that you're royalty? Or are we tempted or sometimes busy with becoming slaves again? Looking for rules rather than engaging in our relationship with God being led by the Spirit. Are we sometimes slaves to the opinions of people? To the limitations of people? To what my mom wants me to be? What my parents expect of me? What my peers pressure me into? Am I becoming a slave again? My, my sinful desires of the flesh. Am I becoming a slave to a goal? Something specific that I have in mind. I loved that the other week we had Pastor Kali Liu from Singapore preaching in the morning service. And she said, you know, Jesus is at the door. Jesus is coming back and he's coming back really soon. Really, really soon. He's at the door. And I spoke afterwards to someone and she said to me, you know, I was so worried about my career. And I kept trying to figure out my five and my ten year plan. I was spending so much thought on it, so much mental energy, and, and I'm so anxious about it. And I just realized I might not even work for five or ten years because Jesus come back. Jesus at the door. This is the most important thing. It's more important than career. Career is important, and it glorifies God. But Jesus is more important, and he is at the door, and he is coming back. And he's coming back soon, and we don't know how soon. And it just puts everything into perspective. Do we remember who we are in relation to God, in relation to eternity, in relation to that, what God wants to do? I don't know if any of you have ever heard, um, have any of you seen a baby dedication? When we have, put your hands up if you've seen one. Okay, a lot of you, okay. So what we normally do is the parents come and they bring the baby and they read something, they make commitments to, to raise that baby you know, in godly ways, the church makes a commitment towards the baby, and then people pray for the baby. So what kind of stuff do they normally pray? Those of you who have seen it? Bright light, yeah. But what, what is it that they're praying? It's prophetic words. So we, ca- we come and we pray prophetically for the baby. So those of you who have seen baby dedications, have you ever heard everything they pray for one baby, and then you think... That is going to be the most amazing person that ever lived. <laughs> Have you heard that? Like, wow, how can one human like, achieve everything they just prophesied over him? We're prophesying the full potential of that person. If that baby becomes fully revealed to the world, the other one, Romans 8, all of creation is eagerly anticipating the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. If that girl or boy becomes fully revealed to the world as a son or daughter of God. That's who they will be. That is amazing. If you haven't had someone speak that over you, then you need to ask someone. Someone who's a little bit prophetically skilled, ask them to pray with you. 
don't have, even have to be very skilled. God speaks through all of us. But ask someone to pray with you, to speak those things over you, to see what it is that God wants to do and, and where it is that he's taking you. The last thing I want to read for us, and what I'm saying tonight is God wants to reveal us as sons and daughters. And when we are sons and daughters, we are not slaves. And that's the thing that we have to do. We have to walk out of slavery, and we have to not go back there, like that scripture says. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we do not go back to a yoke of slavery, and we need to identify when it's happening and not go there and get out of it, and that's what the cross is for. Um, I want to read you something, and um, it's about shame. And I believe one thing that God showed me as we, as I was preparing for the sermon is one of the slaveries that we're stuck in sometimes is shame. And shame is a difficult thing to deal with. And a few years ago, I dealt with it myself in my own life. And I, I was really trying to understand how shame works. Um, I'm sure all of you know, know what shame feels like, what it feels like to be ashamed. But there's a, the, the devil uses shame to enslave us. So shame is like something that you believe about yourself negatively that's not true. Okay, so... I had a friend at Varsity, let's call this friend Anna, and I had a, a not a, like a very um, wrong relationship, like um, actually she was just very needy and I was kind of using her, to be honest. So then I had a, another friend, let's just call her Kate, so Kate said to me, um, so at some point I realized this and we talked about it, me and Anna, and we, we actually ended up not being friends anymore because the relationship was not healthy. And um, many years later, I had a fight with Kate, okay, another friend of mine. And in the fight, she said to me, you're using me just like you used to use Anna because you are just the kind of person who uses other people. And I was, I just, I was so hurt. And I went home and I was just crying and I was thinking, she's right. I used to use Anna. So I probably did it again now. So I probably am the kind of person who uses other people. So what I was feeling was shame. I was ashamed of who I am. So I, I couldn't argue with it. So I'm sitting there in my bed thinking, I'm the kind of person who uses other people. I don't really want to be the kind of person who uses other people, but I am that now. And I don't really know how not to be that, clearly, because I didn't want to, but now I am. And then I thought, you know, and this is what you, if you ever get in a circle in your head, very quickly stop and ask God, have you seen how deep you can go and how it doesn't help? You go in circles and circles and circles. If you ever feel yourself circling and going down, just stop, not helping. Just ask God. You clearly need some perspective. So I said, God, and I'm, I was afraid to ask this question because God always speaks the truth. I said, God, but I was like, I have to know. I have to know if this is true. I said, God, am I the kind of person who uses other people? And God said to me, yes, you are just like everyone else. And it's like God was telling me, yes, you're not perfect. Yes, you get this wrong sometimes, but that's not the point. Everyone gets something wrong. And I was so relieved. God didn't tell me, no, you're not, this is, you know, sometimes this is what we do as friends. No, you're not like that. And sometimes even in your age, you think you are a little bit like that, but I don't know how to tell you. No. You're amazing. She shouldn't have said that about you. That's just wrong. You're such a great person. Okay, don't do that if it's not true. God doesn't do that because he speaks the truth. And he was telling me that, yes, you have this tendency. You should probably work on it. But he was immediately delivering me from shame. So what, what God was, what he said to me was, yes, you do it sometimes, but it's not who you are. Do you hear me? The thing that, that you might be ashamed about? Yes, you do it sometimes, but it's not who you are. See the difference? You need to remember who you are. You're a son and a daughter of God, washed by the blood of the cross. Yes, you make mistakes sometimes, but you are not your mistakes. And unfortunately, people say this to you your whole life. Your parents say it. Teachers say it, friends say it, people are always declaring who you are. You're so loud. 
you're so difficult, um, whatever it may be. No, maybe sometimes you are loud or difficult, but it's not who you are. It's something you do, and you can work on it. It's not who you are. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I want to ask that you would just show hearts tonight what we believe about ourselves that's shameful. Just note what kind of sentence pops into your head, like, I'm the kind of person who uses other people. Maybe it's, I'm a liar, or I am not trustworthy. Maybe it's, I'm dumb. I'm not really, I'm kind of a failure. Just note whatever comes in your head. Holy Spirit, just show us what are the lies we believe about who we are. What are we ashamed about? There's a scripture that says, when we come to Jesus, our faces are radiant and we are not ashamed. To become fully who you are, you cannot believe something wrong about who you are. You can't be ashamed. While your eyes are closed, I'm going to read something to you, which I believe for some of you, this will help you. It's Someone wrote this. It's a kind of a little bit of a theological summary of shame. But because sin is alive in our bodies, and you can ask me if you want me to send this with you. There's scriptures on every point, but I'm just going to not read all the scriptures for now. Because we are beset with weakness, the kind of shame we often experience is a potent combination of failure and pride. We fail morally, sin. We fail due to our limitations, weakness. And we fail because this creation is subject to futility and doesn't work right. We also fail to live up to other people's expectations. Then because we are full of sinful pride, we are ashamed of our failures and weaknesses, and we will go to any lengths to hide them from others. This is what shame does. It, so let's use my example. I'm the kind of person who uses other people. Now I'm going to try the best that I can not to use other people. And th- this is what happens where you, in relationship with people, and you maybe have like a good friendship, but somehow the friendship's not working because in your head you're thinking, you don't really know me. And if you really find out who I am, you're not going to like me. If you have that fear, then you have shame. So you're, you're trying to hide something. Like in that example, I'll try and hide in all my relationships. I'll try and hide that I think I'm the kind of person who uses people. So I really, try really hard not to use someone. But because I believe it's who I am, I feel like it's inevitable it's going to pop out sometime. I'm going to do it sometime. And then I'm like, then this, I'm going to be exposed. People are going to see who I really am and they're going to reject me. So that is pride. This means pride-fueled shame can wield great power over us. It controls significant parts of our lives and consumes precious energy and time in avoiding exposure. Just because pride moves us to hide our shame in the wrong places doesn't mean that our instinct to hide is completely wrong. It isn't. We do need a place to hide, but we need to hide in the right place. The key to breaking the power of pride-fueled shame is the superior power of humility-fueled faith in the work of Christ and the promise of Christ. Shame pronounces us guilty and deficient. Jesus pronounces us guiltless and promises that his grace will be sufficient for us in our weakness. Christ is all. As we trust Jesus as our righteousness and our provider of everything we need, shame will lose its power over us. So as your eyes are closed, thank you, Holy Spirit, that where we identify shame in our lives, this area of slavery where we believe something negative about ourselves and we are trying to hide it, because we are proud. Thank you that we can expose that this afternoon. And we want to say, God, we want to expose and admit to you our weaknesses. And we want to admit to your sin. And we want to come with faith in the work of the cross and accept your forgiveness. So whatever God has shown you, 
if you, if you have this thought like, I'm a liar, you need to now say to God, Lord, I repent of sometimes lying. But I declare that I'm not a liar. I'm a person who sometimes lies. I repent for that sin. But I want to declare now that I trust Jesus through your cross. That you can forgive that. That you can change me. And even when I slip up in it, it's not who I am. It doesn't define me. I choose to hide my sin and my weakness in your cross. Rather than proudly hiding it within myself. I'm going to give you a minute and you just need to have that prayer with God. I believe it's so much better to pray out loud. Because you know when you pray in your head, you don't know what's prayer and what's thoughts. It gets all mixed up. Don't listen to the guy next to you. You just do your business with God. believe there's someone here who specifically it's your dad who used to say something to you um, and it's going from a place of anger on his side and I, I see him like even like knocking you and there's something that he said and I just sense the Lord saying that thing that he said of you that's not true. It's not who you are. And as you're praying through things, you need to ask Jesus when you said, for instance, if I use the example, I'm a liar, you say, no, Lord, I... I am someone who sometimes lies. That's wrong, and I repent of that. But I trust in your spirit that now ask that you would change me, and I'm coming with faith to the cross for that forgiveness. Then you need to now say, Jesus, who do you say that I am? You need to say that to Jesus now, and you need to hear what he says to you. He speaks with a voice of love and not condemnation. Someone who believed something like something about death, and, it, and God is saying, You are a bringer of life. I use you to bring life. I'm speaking that over someone. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are coming so gently into our hearts and just exposing just the roots of shame. Thank you, Lord, that we can choose this afternoon not to go into that yoke of slavery. If we're in it, we choose to get out. Thank you for your freedom, that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I feel like I need to tell you tonight that um, no one else determines your life for you. Not your parents, not your circumstances, not your financial position, not your talents or lack of talents. No one determines your life for you, not your history, not your past. You have choice and you have a free will. You have volition. That's like choice and a free will. No one determines your life for you. Whatever's happened to you, whatever pressure's being put on you, whatever financial limitations you have, or whatever you think is limiting, it's not limiting for God. Nothing is impossible with Him. And in every situation, there's a choice that you can make. Do not feel enslaved to your circumstances. Do not feel enslaved to your past. Do not feel enslaved to other people. If you don't see a way out, you just, it's just because you're not seeing it yet. 
you need to relax and be led by the Spirit, ask God. If you need to, then you need to ask people to pray with you. Even in the most difficult circumstances, there's a way out. God always gives a way out. If you're not seeing it, it, it's exactly that. It's there, you're just not seeing it. Do not become a slave to circumstances, limitations, opinions of people, pressure, control, manipulation. Thank you, Jesus, that we can choose freedom this afternoon. You want to be free, people, because you've paid for our freedom with your cross. We want to freely follow you. We want to choose to be led by the Spirit. We want to be free to choose to live according to the Bible. We want to be free to live for you. Just sense also God is saying, there's someone here, maybe it's more than one person. It's like there's certain things like that you do because spiritually because someone told you to do it. You're sacrificing something for Jesus because someone asked you to do it. And Jesus is saying, I want you to do it freely. If someone asks you to do it, rather don't do it so that you will become a free person who's not enslaved to what someone else tells you to do. And then you choose to do it by yourself. You choose to do it because you want to make that sacrifice to Jesus. I feel like he's saying he wants you to be free. That's what he means when he says give freely. Don't give under compulsion. Don't give because of any pressure or stress or you feel you have to or whatever. Give freely. Be a free person. When you're free, then you have the freedom to choose to follow Jesus and to live according to the Bible because you choose it. It's your choice to do it. Thank you for freedom this afternoon. Thank you, Lord, that you lift off shame. Lift it off in Jesus' name. Lift it off. Lift off every shame in Jesus' name from every shoulder. Just lift it off. Just break off the yokes of slavery. Just break it off in Jesus' name. Just sense that scripture of the yoke. Jesus says, take off the yokes, take off every yoke, and the yoke of Jesus is light and easy, and you can choose whether you want to put it on, he doesn't put a yoke on you, you choose whether you want to take it, it's an amazing yoke, and it's your choice to take it, he offers it to you, it's your choice, but you choose it as a free person, not because you feel guilty you have to do it. Thank you for freedom. Thank you, Lord, for each one of us tonight. We say, Jesus, I want to become fully revealed as a son or daughter of God. Can you just put your hand up or both hands if you want to respond to that? And say, Jesus, we choose on this journey. We want to be fully become sons and daughters of God. We want to be bold. We want to be a light in the world. We want to take risks. Not for the sake of risk, but for the sake of obedience. We want to be obedient, Jesus. We want to be free. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We choose your freedom. We choose the cross. We choose your work in us to make us fully known to creation, the sons and the daughters of God, fully revealed so that people may know you, so that people may be healed, so that people may be saved. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for your work in us. Thank you that we can know that we are the sons and daughters of God, that we can know that we are royalty, that we have authority, that we can live from that place. If you are here tonight and you are not a son or daughter of God, then I want to pray for you. While every eye slows, if you can just look up at me so that I can see your eyes. Thank you. Thank you. Is there someone else? If I'm not seeing you, just trying to attract my attention. Thank you, Jesus, for those two people, your son and your daughter. I'm going to lead us in just a prayer of salvation. The two people who responded can pray, but actually I want just all of us to pray together with them. Jesus, we come to you tonight. We thank you for the invitation. Thank you that you're so gentle never force us but you invite we choose to say yes 
we repent of not following you. We repent of sin. We lay it down at the cross. We thank you for your cross. We want to live in the work of the cross. We want to accept everything you paid for. We choose to accept it. We choose to walk with you, Jesus. Thank you that you will help us. We ask for your help, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with fullness in every area of our lives. We choose to follow the Spirit. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stay in front. Those of you who responded, please make sure that you pray with me or Jamie, Arman, it's Matthew. And if there's any other prayer needs, we also want to invite you for it. Thanks so much for having me tonight. It's such a privilege for me to be here. I hope to see you guys again soon. And um, have a blessed week in Jesus' name. Bring the fire on campus. Bring the life. Speak up. Tomorrow morning, I want to hear what you told your friends. Okay, let me know. Awesome. Amen. Guys, uh, please feel free to, to stay. If you want to just pray a bit more, the band will just continue to minister a bit. If you want to pray or just spend some more time, yeah, you're welcome to. Otherwise, we can close the service here. There's um, some snacks. You're welcome to join us and connect with someone that you haven't met yet. And yeah, God bless you for this week. Thanks, Leona.